40 years preaching the gospel of Jesus. And there's times when my first car ever was a 1984 Fiat Uno. And I drove, I remember like driving around this nation in that little thing, right? It's like driving in a roller skate. You feel every stone on the road. Don't mind the pothole. I thought they were valleys and hills I was going down in this. And, 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 and I went up and down and I used to say to the Lord, and this is where I come back to Brother Young, I used to say, Lord, I remember one time coming out of Donegal. It's a long way from Donegal to Dublin in a fear, you know, believe me. You just add a year onto your, whatever you think there is, add a year. And uh, I remember coming, saying, Lord, in the Bible, you translated people or you transported people through space, time. And, and, and you can do that because the Bible is, is God's story. It's not a history book. It's God's continuous running commentary of what he'd done before, he will do again. Amen? This is what the Bible says in Revelation, that, this, that the word, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Meaning that what Jesus done again, your testimony is a prophecy of what Jesus will do again and again in other people's lives. Amen? That's the way it is. That's the way. So I'm like, Lord, I read it in there and go, Lord, remember you took Elijah, remember you took, uh, remember you took Ezekiel, remember you took Enoch, remember you done this, all these, Lord, will you just, just get me back to Dublin, I don't want to drive this thing back home. And so I used to go, okay, Lord, now. And I'd be still in Donegal. I remember times even going, I'm going to close my eyes, Lord, and when I open them, I'll be in Ballyferme. So, Bally Buffet to Ballyferme. And uh, just, I mean, I didn't keep my eyes closed for 10 minutes or anything, like just letting you know that, right? It was just like a blink and I go, Bally Femme. Still Bally Buffet. <laughs> Brother Yun walked out of one village, say it's here in the Liberties, and he was going to Tale. He walked out of one village and into, the, and into Tale. That God took him through. And I'm like, this is what I've prayed for. I want to hear a man that knows what that's like. And I think, it's going, I think that's big dramatic in my world, which it would be, yeah? In fact, I said to the Lord one time, because I was bargaining now at this stage. You know you're desperate when you get bargaining. And I go, God, if you do this, I won't tell anybody. And then heaven goes, yeah, right now. I keep nothing to myself, believe me. But I think that's going to be a big dramatic thing. I think in God it's as natural as me walking from one room into another room. I think I'm going to feel all the particles of my body going, and I'm here. I just think it'd be like walking just from here to there. Because it's not, it's not supernatural for God. It's natural for God. And he takes the natural and puts the super on it. And then we call that supernatural. And I just want to encourage you. In fact, I think I'm going to have to go and book another venue. Because like, the people that are telling me they're coming and busloads are coming up to Brother Yun, we're going to have to put them in the creche over there or something because uh, it's going to be tight or else we're going to get another place. But you're welcome to Liberty Church this morning. I'm Noel Kenny and um, I'm one of the pastors here and I'm delighted to bring God's word to you today. Amen? So Father, we just thank you for your word. Thank you for your people. Thank you for every individual that is here today. And thank you to collectively being able to sing your songs to acknowledge who you are and to acknowledge who we are and who we were and who we are now. I just thank you for your goodness, Lord. I thank you that you know us intimately. Do you know what, Lord? You know the worst about us and love us the best. That's the reality. He knows the worst about us and he loves us the best. Some people know the best of us and love us the worst. But he knows the deepest, darkest things that we hide away and he goes I still love you 
I still went to a cross for you. I still bled for you. My, my blood still covers that sin. And I'm just so grateful to you. I'm just so... Just tell someone you're grateful today. Just say, come on, give them a little touch, you know, a little elbow. They're probably up all night watching Katie Taylor become the undisputed champion of the world last night. So they might need a, a little nudge. Or they may have been a Liverpool supporter celebrating everything last night up the Liverpool. And uh, I'm a Chelsea fan, so like, I'm, I'm like... Uh, you know, I'm just saying, I'm celebrating with you. I'm, I'm not one of those begrudgers. That right, Ken? I'm only messing. We prayed this morning the way in about that for Ken. But amen, we've been walking through the Psalms. And, um, and I have to say, I have found walking through the Psalms. We're on Psalm 13 today. And, um, and I found it just being the most challenging thing, I have to say. And the biggest challenge that I got out up to this, up to this Psalm so far is that for me, you know, we, we spoke about Psalm 1, don't, don't sit, stand, walk with mockers and those who are loose with God. Do you remember that? It's like, that, was like, that was a game changer, wasn't it? It's like, boom. God says, don't, 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 don't hang out with the wicked. Don't let them influence you. Don't take their counsel. And we think wicked is somebody that is like, <laughs> I'm going to put a spell on you or I'm, I'm a big bad person. Wicked, according to the word of God, is a word called, that word is called rasha. Not Rasha, Rasha. And um, Rasha means to be loose with God and loose with morals. And that puts a whole spin on what wicked is to God, isn't it? We think, well, I'm not like them. He's a wicked person. I'm like, well, I am. <laughs> well, I am like them. Because <laughs> when you're loose with God, you're loose with your life. And he says in Psalm 1, don't let those people influence you. That's why he's saying, don't take counsel for those those. And then Psalm 2, why do the nations conspire against me? Why would the nations conspire against God? Because the nations and the, and the puppets that na- the nations are to another world, the kingdom of darkness, they're conspiring against the things of God. They're conspiring. Look what they're doing in our country. That's not just politics. That's evil. People who are loose with God and loose with morals. Wicked. Look what's happening in Nigeria and places like this where brothers and sisters that are meeting today in churches are getting burnt down and killed. You know, and God says, why do the nations conspire? Because you don't want that to do with God. And if you, you want to test that in any way, if you want to test that as an individual, put up on Facebook today that you love Jesus and you'll see the world's response to you. You'll see your friends' response to you. You're some type of lunatic because... This world systems is against God. No matter how they dress her up, no matter if they put religious stuff on it, if they put like you know like light on it, the bottom wrong, they're wait, they're they're against Jesus. Look at what happened up in our up in our country, up in our town, in our city. A young girl gets killed because young men wrote a pact, a satanic a satanic pact to the devil. Hello. I, I, I kid you not, all the week I'm praying, Lord, waking us up as a church. Amen. We've lost our voice. And we've allowed other p- things and people and governments and systems to say that you're second class, you've nothing to say, and then the church listens and there's kids killing girls, writing satanic um, things to each other. And this is what they said you're allowed in this group, but you can't talk about God or Jesus. Not Buddha, not Allah, because there's no power in them. I'm like, 
know. Why do the nations conspire? Because there's a devil. And if you don't believe that, ask those kids. And ask the mother that's burying her daughter. And ask the mother and parents of those kids that will be going to prison as a result. And talk to them in five years' time. And we allow people to tell us this the church. Do you be quiet. We're the only one with the answer. All of the doings and all of the things, all the philosophies, is not an answer to those kids because nothing can cast the devil out other than the name of Jesus. Simple as. And if we can't be quiet, we have to assume that someone that you walk with, walk with, go to school with, stand at the gate with, we have to assume that they need something of Jesus. And I'm praying for the boldness and the courage for the church of Jesus to rise up. And that we go, I cannot be silent. I must not be silent. Does that mean we run out and slap everybody with Jesus? And make idiots of ourselves? No. That we're wise people. We're people of the Spirit. We're people that go when the Holy Spirit quickens us. There's a person I need you to tell them. But Lord, what if I look like a fool? So, uh, what are you afraid of? I'd rather look like an idiot in front of you than be disobedient to Jesus. So that's what I'm saying. The sounds like, <laughs> hello. So here we are on Psalm 13. The great, the great preacher, Prince of Preachers, Charles Hatton Spurgeon said about this psalm. He calls it the How Long Psalm. And then he writes another name underneath it, the Howling Psalm, like howling at the moon, Sam. It's like you read it as we go through it. Here it is up here. Oh, yeah, and you see my little notes at the bottom. So, what I've been doing, I've been um, in a way of equipping the church. It's like you go, well, how does, how does preachers get their sermons and how do preachers dissect and what's some of the process? Well, I just. I just shown you my slides with my process on it. That like thoughts that would come to you, quickenings of the Holy Spirit. You won't have everything up there, but you'll have an idea that it's not some big mystery. It's just sitting down with the Word of God and going, Lord, will you show me? Holy Spirit, will you breathe on this? Will you quicken your word to me? And um, So this is what he, he, he calls it. And I'm going to read two versions of it. I'm going to read um, uh, NIV, and then I'm also going to take it from the... the it's not the translation, it's like a, a paraphrasing called the passion. The passion. And uh, so, so here's David. So listen to his heart, listen to his lament. How long, Lord? How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long, Lord, will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long? Will my enemy triumph over me? You can hear the howling, can't you? How long? How long? How long? How long? The, 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 the passion says, I'm hurting, Lord. Will you forget me forever? How much longer, Lord, will, I, will you look the other way when I'm in need? How much longer must I cling to the con- this constant grief? I've endured this shaking of my soul, so how much longer will my enemy have the upper hand? It's been long enough. Then the NIV, what we have up there, look on me and answer, Lord my God, give lights to my eyes.
you can probably get that one ready. This battery's about to go. Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I've overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. Here's what the passion says in that same. Here we go. Yep. Go again. Take a look at me, God, and answer me. Breathe your life into my spirit. Bring light to my eyes in this pitch black darkness, or I will sleep the sleep of death. Don't let my enemy proclaim, I have prevailed over him, for all my adversaries will celebrate when I fall. This is King David talking, NIV again. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. The Passion Translation. Lord, I've always trusted you in your kindness, so answer me. I will, I will yet celebrate with passion and joy when your salvation lifts me up. I will sing my song of joy to you, the Most High. For in all of this you have strengthened my soul. My enemies say that I have no Savior, but I know I have a Savior in you. Amen. Amen. Just three little points. Open hearts. Open eyes and open mouth. And this is one of the psalms that is called the psalms of lament. And you know the psalms were supposed to be sung. They're like they're songs. Like so, if 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 you listen to the songs of the blues, you know what I mean. You're gonna get a, a sort of an idea of what the psalms is about. It's like I'm a baby. Let me. She took the car. You know, like the, the blues are all. Blues and their, and their, thanks Phil. The blues, but David never just has the blues without hope. Are you with me? So the blues on their own are, you know what I mean? You're going to end up in the dumps. You're going to end up doing things you never want to do to try to get out of the dumps. And the stuff that we do to get out of the dumps that never work, we continue to do till we go another dump. Then we go another dump and another dump. That we still do these continuous things, but we're not out of the dump. We're 80 years of age and we're sleeping in the dump and we're married to a dump and we're, and we're, and we're going, you go on with a load of dump on, on, the, on the back of our necks. And then, so David is never, but, but, but there's a place. That the Psalms gives us, in fact, 70% of the Psalms are laments. Are Psalms that, 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 they're like, get it all out of you. Pour out your heart. Open your heart. Pour out your grief. Pour out your pain. Pour out your anger. Pour out your regrets. Pour them out. Lamenting is a, is a theme in the book of Psalms and all the way through the Bible, but particularly concentrated in the Psalms. And, and these people that are of Israel were real people with, who sang real songs, who, who, who laughed real laughter, who had real pain as well and real things to mourn about. And I can tell you this morning that there's people here and you have come to church glad, mad or sad. That you can look around you and you can, you can bet your bottom dollar that you're worshipping with people who are even struggling today to count the blessings that they have. And I believe the psalm has given us something to liberate us. So do we just sit down and sing the blues? No, we don't alone. But we're allowed to. We're allowed to. Well, I think as Christians, and I think people in general, but I think as Christians, and especially Pentecostal Christians, that we want to miss the how longs and go right down to praise the Lord. That we don't give ourselves space and time to be able to go, you know what, Lord, how long is this going to take? 
Lord, do you not see what I'm going through? Do you not see what they've done to me? Do you not see the, the, the failures that I have? Do you not see the pain I'm in? See, I think like Job's friends in the Bible that we're afraid when we don't have an answer that we might, make, we might give God bad publicity. I don't have the answer. And Job's friends, he didn't get any answers for his sufferings, but he gets God. And sometimes just to acknowledge things is liberating today. It's liberating us. The people here today and you people that you will meet, that whether it's today or air yesterday's, we are still saying, how long, God? Will you forget me forever? How long must, will you hide your face from me? I'm hurting. Will my enemies triumph over me? How much longer do I have to cling to this constant grief? In that message, or the, the passion translation, I've, I've endured this shaking of the soul. So how long must my enemy have the upper hand? It's been long enough. There are many today, and I'm giving you permission to say, why didn't I get healed? Why did they walk out on me? Why didn't I have provision? Why didn't it come to me? Why did they go? Why did they leave? Why did they not change? Why did this happen to me and not someone else? Why me? Why am I the victim? Why is this going on? And the psalmist has given us an opportunity to not be afraid to open our hearts up to God. Because if not, we're going to carry it around with us. It's like, oh, I don't want to worry God. I don't want to put more stuff on his plate. I don't want to acknowledge the pain that I'm in. So I'll just praise the Lord. I'll just put on another religious mask and some lipstick on. And that's just the fellas. Just to put it on and to, and to come into church and to, and to do this and do that. And yet I'm going away broken. And maybe we'll not experience the God of comfort because we're not acknowledging the places we need comfort in. Maybe we'll not experience healing because we're not bringing the stuff to Him for Him to heal. And look, I just, you know, can I just be honest? You're not hiding it well. And that's all right. Because I don't want you coming in here and you're putting the game on. It's all right. It's all right. But I'm telling you, I'm not hiding it well. I'm telling you, it's coming out of you. I'm telling you, it comes out when you talk, when you walk. It's not like every minute of the day, but it's there. And when it's there, it will come out. And the beauty of all this stuff is, is that God is willing to be there. Do you ever see in, in, this, in the gospel, there's the widow coming down. She's from Nain. She's just burying her son. So she's coming down this way with all the, all the whalers. Because you could rent whalers out back then. A guy used to run them called Bob Marley and the whalers. That was the name of the business. So you could go to Bob and go, hey Bob, my son's out the door or, and I need some whalers. And Bob goes, I'll send the whalers down. And that's where they got no woman, no crying all that from. And, uh, you know, that's just biblical, historical stuff that you probably wouldn't have known. And then, um, only messing. But, um, but you could rent them out. So here's a woman coming down after losing her son. How more painful could it get? How more disastrous could it get? Did Jesus go, here's whalers, let's go that way and just have a praise party? You read it, the two parties collide. 
Jesus doesn't turn away from the pain. He doesn't turn away from the grief. He doesn't turn away from the questions. He doesn't turn away from the pardon of anger or, or, or whatever might come out of that woman. Why my son? He never once turns away from it. He enters, he enters right into it. And he brings a solution. But that's not even the point of the day. He just enters into it. Lamentations, five chapters, Jeremiah the prophet, called the weeping prophet. It's like if you read Lamentations, you know what? You probably want to go and take some muppers. It's like, how bad can it get? What was this? And this is going on. And I'm like, how do we put that in the Bible? The Holy Spirit? And in the midst of it all, he cries out in prayer. Listen to the prayer I'm ahead of myself. Psalm, uh, Lamentations 3.22, right in the middle of this, right in the middle of these five chapters, right in the middle of everything that could go wrong when Israel was going wrong. And this is what he cries out. Because of the Lord's great love, we're not consumed. Meaning, um, these things may be happening to me. These things may have gone on. I may have do, done this, some things, but because of his great love, we're not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I will say to myself, the Lord is my portion. In the midst of all of this pain, in the midst of all of this, the lamentations, the pouring out of the heart, the pouring out of the grief and the sorrow and the sin and the failures and all those things. He says, I know one thing in the midst of all of this. God's mercies are new every morning. We can be missing out on blessings and healing and freedom. Because we're not acknowledging the problem. The pain, the shame, the guilt. I'm 30 years walking with Jesus. What amazing 30 years. What a tough 30 years. I could write lamentations. And I could write in the middle of it all that his mercies are new every morning. I could. I could. So none of us are ex. ex- Exempt from pain. So don't exempt ourselves from the healer of the pain. Don't disqualify ourselves because of our own guilt and shame and that we brought up in, in like, oh no, I'll just speak to it. No, and there's times for everything. Right? So as you probably hear me talking next week about speaking to something. Because this is the word of the Lord. You know the difference between, you know the, Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, quoting Deuteronomy. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So does a proceed mean that comes after something? Does the preceded word of God, the written word of God, the unchangeable word of God, the one that shows us who he is, but the spirit of God breathes upon the word of God and, and, and he brings that to a life to you right now. That means it's the word of God that's been quickened to your heart so it becomes alive, it becomes bread to eat. Because if you just take the preceded word of God, the written word of God, sometimes you go, do I stay or do I go? Do I stand firm or sit down? Do I wait or do I proclaim? That's the word of God. It just, it just like, there's loads of things to do. Which do you do? You, you do what the Holy Spirit breathes upon says, I want you to wait. You wait. I want you to go. You go. I want you to forgive now. All forgiveness is there, but we don't forgive as soon as we read it. But when he breathes on it, there's a grace that comes with it to do what he says on the proceeded word of God that causes us to live.
Listen to some of these scriptures. just want to show you that God is not afraid. Psalm 24, 18. The Lord is close to the broken heart. And he saves those who are crushed in spirit. David says, I'm feeble and utterly crushed in Psalm 38. I groan in anguish of heart. Psalm 109. For I am poor and needy, and my heart is wounded within me. Psalm 73. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. That there's no way that God is hiding from me. He's the God of the valleys, and he's the God of the mountains. He's the God of the victory, and he's the God in the battle. He's the God that wants to go. I don't know about you, but I've just known God in these days when you wait before him, you sit with him, and he's just like, no, I want to go. You know, I, you know the, thing, the problem with us, we can want to go to the top floor straight away. And the Holy Spirit says, to go to the top floor, I have to go to the basement. But Lord, you know the stuff in that basement, there's stuff there I don't want you to see. Yeah, but come on, we go. Come on, I get you healed. Come on, I get you free. Come on, we address it. Come on, I sit with you. Come on, I listen to you. Come on, we reason together as to, as to what happened. and Let me speak into that situation. Let me show you what was going on. Let me show you where I am because as soon as pain and trauma comes into a human life, we're going to be given a choice. Whether you know it or not, it's a choice to turn away from God and believe a lie. Even if you didn't know God, even if you were a child somewhere, that you're going to be left with something, a thought pattern, a suggested thought, a lie that can come and go, I will never trust humans, even if it's never said. When you're met with trauma, and you're met with pain, you're, you're making decisions consciously and unconsciously, but it's all about protecting. And the devil slips in a lie. And we live our lives out of the lies then, because we never knew the truth. We never knew God. We didn't, I didn't even know he was there. I was abused when I was a kid. I didn't know God was there. I didn't know anything about God. But I become a Christian and he's not just the God of my tomorrows. He's the God of my yesterdays and he's the God of today. And he can go back into your yesterdays and free up for today and create a new tomorrow. That's what he does. If we let him. I stand at the door and I knock. Can I go down to the basement, Noli? Knock on there, Jesus. No even wallpaper on that wall. <laughs> I know what's there. And I can't be the God of all comfort if you don't let me go to the place that needs comfort. I can't be the healer of the broken heart that's in you unless you allow me to go near the broken heart that's within you. David lost everything. 1 Samuel chapter 30. Absolutely everything. His wives, kids, all of his men. Do you remember he was going out to war? And he, he comes back to Siklag and everything was gone. The, the Amalekites had come in and burnt it down. And it says that, 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 that the, they wept till all their strength was gone. They wept until all their strength was gone. I'll tell you the end because you probably know it. You get everything back. But they wept until the end was gone. And on top of that, the men wanted to kill David because it was because of him that they lost everything. But they wept till all their strength was gone. They poured it out. They argued it out. 
They pointed a finger at David, but God let them get out. God didn't say, oh, by the way, David, I'm just going to skip all of the pain, all of the sorrow, all the stuff, all the grief, everything. We're just going to bypass all of that stuff, your feelings, your emotions, everything, and we're just going to go straight to the victory. He doesn't do that. He allows them to pour it out. He allows the men to weep till they no more strengths. Do you know what that's like? Did no more strength to tell anybody else. Did no more strength to ring anyone else. Did no more strength to text everyone else. Did no more, you know when you're in pain, you just want to tell everybody. And then you tell them once and twice and twenty and thirty times. And then the next time you tell them, you see their faces just glazed over like, I don't know what to say anymore. <laughs> we, we know it, don't we? But God, let's just get that out. Let's just pour it out. They wept until. Until. That's a, 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 a thing about time. That there was a time until something else happened. So they wept until. They wept until. They got it out until. They said it out until. They blamed until. Until there was a new change coming about. Until they could weep no more. Tell no more. Talk no more. Give out no more. Hate no more. That they got it all out. And it says, David went and found strength in the Lord. He didn't bypass that process to get to this. In the psalm, David says here, he says, Lord, don't give my enemies the victory over me unless I sleep the sleep of death. Meaning I'll be alive, but I might as well be dead. Because my enemy will glow over me. My own mind will put me down. My own heart will condemn me. So what did he do? He says, Lord, brighten my eyes. I've been praying for you all the week. Brighten our eyes. What does it mean? Give us revelation. Show us who you are. Show, you, show us who you were in that and who you are today in this. And where you're going to take me in my tomorrow. Show me. Have you asked Jesus where he was when the pain entered? When the trauma entered? When the fa- failure, the sin entered? Ask him today. Holy Spirit, will you show us right now? With whatever you're bringing up into our hearts, Lord, show us where you were. Brighten our eyes. Eyes open in the name of Jesus. Understand and open up in the name of Jesus. He was there. He was right there. Now, Lord, what do you want to say to the people? You don't want to just let us know you were there. You want to brighten our eyes, give us revelation. Just quicken it to our spirits right now. Words of healing. Words of comfort. Words of, I know. I was there. I know you couldn't look to me, but you can look to me now. I know you didn't know me in that moment, but I'm presenting myself to, for you to know me in that moment now. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord, so that I may know you better. So David goes before God. 
God brought his voice. He says, David, go after them. You'll retrieve everything that's been taken off. Here's the beautiful thing about God. He says in his word, I give you back the years the locust has eaten on you. I'll give them back to you. Lord, I'm 40, I'm 20, I'm 30. That happened. That I'll give them back to you. How he does it, I don't know. I tell you one thing, when I was growing up, I never had a bicycle. I never even had a three-wheeler. And I became a Christian. And I used to get the end of a bike to go to Bible college off of, off of an individual. And I had it parked outside my flat. I'm going back 28 years here. And uh, anyway, I was speaking somewhere and the Lord spoke to me and says, I never want you to get that bike again. Now, I didn't know where the bike came from. I just knew who was getting the land of it all. He says, I never want you to get that bike again and because it's a stolen bike. It's like, all right, Lord, I, I didn't know that. But I know God. And I knew when I, Sharon will tell you, I came home and said to Sharon, the Lord's going to give me a new bike. She goes, how do you know when I told Sharon the story? He doesn't take something from you and leave you empty. He doesn't tell you to do something and then go, well, look, at you, you, you know how to walk. I'm a walker all my life. I used to be seven foot two. <laughs> I've worn my legs down. He doesn't do that. I know him. I know him. I know what this father would do for my kids and how much more him. I said, Sharon, I'm going to get a bike. And I remember, I haven't got mud guards on that bike. And I said, Sharon, there's going to be mud guards on the bike. Because he's a detailed God. So anyway, I'm up in, this is like 28 years ago. I'm up and going up to a men's night up in, it'll come to me, the bingo hall there up in Crumlin, the star. We're going to play Quasar. And on the way in, there was a, a Townsend mountain bike outside. And I felt God say to me, there's your bike. So I just broke the lock off and went home. No, I didn't. I didn't. That's your bike, Noli. All right. Sorry, Your Honor. The Lord told me. So anyway, I goes in. I goes in and uh, it was just a thought. It was just... Goes in, we played a game of Quasar. That Monday, following Monday, we're in, uh, in my flat. The, the group. Our group. And uh, a fella comes in and he goes, uh, where's the bike that used to be there now? He said, oh, you wouldn't believe. Mick Dowling is his name. He says, you wouldn't believe me. I said, I was on the kids retreat. I speak. And while I was praying, the Lord spoke and told me they'd get that bike again. It was actually robbed. I didn't know. So I gave it away. He goes, you're joking. He says, come here. He says, I have a bike for you. He was in work. He had a great mountain bike. He was in work. He worked in um, Ormond Hotel. And one of the guys that bought a bike didn't want her anymore. And Mick felt, felt, the Lord said, buy that bike. 80 pounds. We bought the bike. We cycled up to my flat on that night with the bike. And when I said that to him about the bike, the Lord says to him, if you have two tunings, your brother hasn't got one, give him one. That's why I got you to buy the bike. I went outside. It was the, it was the mountain bike, the Townsend mountain bike. I'm going to tell you, that's not the end of it. He had to go home that night. So he... Uh, <laughs> no, he cycled. And the next day, 
I was training for the marathon and I ran down. To, he lived in the east wall. And I'm sitting and I'm coming home on the bike. And I go along the canal on the bike like I was eight years of age. Flying up and down the canal on a Townsend mountain bike mudguards. The whole works, right? And here's the thought that comes to me. This is my bike. God, get me this bike. Mick, listen to God. Cause, and he gave me the bike. And I'm like, if I want to leave that bike here and just leave it there and walk home and never come back, I can do that. Why? Because it's my bike. That God, get me this bike through Mick. Do you know what the Lord says to me? Didn't I tell you I'd give you back the years the locusts is eating? You couldn't believe how much I regretted not having a bike as a kid. When everyone else had a bike, the Abraham Tornafella had a motorbike. <laughs> Sorry, Abraham, you were, you were like a bit regretting going on there. I confess it before your brother. Jealous as mad about you and your motorbike. He was only six years of age. <laughs> Didn't I tell you I'd give you back the years to locusts as he? Didn't I tell you I would, would show you who I am? Didn't I tell you that I will, I will brighten up your eyes to give you revelation that I'm a father who can look after you? Toward the years on nearly, still looking after me. Still giving me bicycles. Only for the four others now. Am I any different than you? Absolutely not. Then David can say, I will praise you. He didn't jump the process, I can praise you. That the, the, can you put up them slides? Because I know I put something on them slides that I didn't. <laughs> Thanks, Sam. Next one, Sam. Open heart. Open hearts leads to comfort. Next one, Sam. Open hearts leads to open noise. Open your heart. At least your eyes being open. Okay. Open eyes leads to open mouth. It's only when his eyes was open that he could trust God in his unfailing love. It's only when his eyes was open that his heart could rejoice. It's only that his, when his eyes was open that he could open his mouth and sing the praises of God. It was only when his eyes was open after having his heart open that he could say, God has been good to me. It was only, that's the process, an open heart, an open, an honesty before God. I'm fed up. Life sucks. It's all right to say it. The problem is, it's not all right to stay there forever. Because people's face will glaze over. <laughs> Including mine. I'm confessing before you the confessions of a pastor. <laughs> well, it's a movie to be made there. When good pastors go rogue. <laughs> yeah, let's pray. So four years ago, Bill, I was on a team with an organization. I shall be named nameless. Although, they're not the name anymore that it was when I was there. So, even if I say the name, you won't know it because it's a new name. Yes, Lord, I'll keep going. <laughs> just be two voices in my head. The Lord or Sharon? I just... I'm just trying to distinguish which is which at the moment. 
That's a compliment, Sharon. I just equated you with God. So, I'm getting there. So, I remember I, I stepped down. The Lord told me to down tools and to step down from the national leadership thing. So, after about 14 times, I realized it was God. And I did. And I remember Sharon questioning me, which is always good to have someone question you. But it was like a, an interrogation more than anything. I was like, Sharon, why are you talking in that funny, ac- funny accent? <laughs> what have you got to say? <laughs> and I said this, Sharon, we've been 25 years in this journey. I co- if I wanted to, I could write a book of Lamentations. And I said, Sharon, what do we do? So we have tragic stuff in our lives. That's one thing. Tragic stuff as pastors and leaders. We had people die on us that weren't supposed to die. Prayers we prayed for people and they died. People slating your character. People sticking knives in your back. Shame put on you by other leaders, I said, what do we do with that? Someone says to me when we had a couple die in this church, a couple, and we only began, when do you grieve now? I says, I'll grieve when I know my people are all right. But what happens when you move on to the next grief and the next grief and the next grief? You forget about that original grief. I remember saying, Cheryl, Here's what I think God wants me to do. To go out to my little office, you know, the way out, the, out the back of my house, I have a little shomery. So I, I said, I'm renaming it. That's called now the tabernacle of God. I moved everything over. We moved beds out that we used to have because we were always bringing people to live with us and we're like, bed out. God in. One chair. Sharon says, you not want two chairs. Why would I want two chairs? Well, just in case you're going to meet with someone, I will meet with nobody in there other than Jesus. Great carpet. Come out some mornings, carper marks on my head. <laughs> the best place before God is on your face. It's amazing what you hear when you're down there. Fell asleep a hundred thousand times in his presence. There's nothing more intimate than sleeping with someone that you trust. That won't walk out on you. That won't do the dirt on you. But no shame of falling asleep in the presence of God. It's the ultimate, the ultimate act of trust. I remember one by one going into the haversack because that's what I described to Sharon. What do we do with all the weights that's here? One by one. It's take now. I forgive you. I let you go. Sorry this happened in our relationship or friendship. Down to the place. That's all right with people. But what happens when you have something against God? I guess the, I think it's chapter 8 in John. Wherever Lazarus is in John. I get to that. I was reading through the Gospel of John while I was there, looking at every place the word Father was and underlining, reading the scripture and underlining every place Jesus mentioned Father. And I get down somewhere and I couldn't read a scripture. I couldn't look at a scripture. I couldn't face a certain scripture. But it was a stone that God brought out. He says, You're going to deal with this son. It was jam packed with absolute, utter. Disappointment in God. And I was afraid to admit it. 
And his ward, look at his ward, and, and it was, it was, I prayed over, over, over a woman that was dying. That this will not result in death. And she died. I never said God gave me that word, but I was proclaiming his word. His preceded word. It wasn't a proceeded word, it was a preceded word. God never told me he wouldn't, this wouldn't be up to death. But I took his word that he already spoke in the Gospel of John and said, I'm going to apply this over this whether God does or not, I'm going to make him do it. I remember being in this room, I remember saying, God, I'm going, I'm, David done this, David says, I'm not leaving this place until I get an answer about my son. I says, God, I'll never leave this building again until I know that that's solved. She died that night. God had me in the room. She says, son, come on my hand, Yahweh. Come on, I make this that you can't look at. Because you know when you can't look at his word, there's something shadowing you from looking at him. He says, I want to take the shadows away. I want to take the fear away. I want to take the disappointment. I want to tell you. I want to show you. I want to engage with the pain. I want to acknowledge the pain and tell you something about it so that you no longer have to live with this. And then that can turn. I can tell you this. God is good. Even in that stuff. Even in our failure, he's good. So guys, let's just close our eyes. Because it's just words unless Jesus does something. And he brought you here today because he knows what you need. There's some people here I'm looking at my wife, Sharon. I left Sharon in bed. She was jaded. And then she comes up, taking the mic, jumping up. God said. God said. So, Sharon's here for a reason. You might have just stumbled upon this morning. You might have not have been here in weeks for all I know. I, I, I don't be here every week. But God knew. And the Holy Spirit just has given us an invitation to open the door. Now your pain and your lawyers will tell you, don't go near this again. And if you don't feel God on it, I would say don't go near it. But don't listen to a lie. But if the Holy Spirit is on it, will you listen to him? Sam, did you, get, did you get something with a song on it? So we're going to listen to this song. So if you just close your eyes, this is my closing because I just ask you to open your heart. You can't open your eyes. Only God can open your eyes and give you revelation. But as a result of that, you can open your mouth. Because I tell you one thing, there's someone that needs to hear He will turn your pain to medicine for others. He will turn your pain to medicines for others. And this song is simple. It's called Drop It At His Feet. He says in it, I bled and I died for you. Will you drop it at my feet? Will you leave it there and walk away? I'm your God. I'm big. I'm strong. I can take you. Come on and sit with me. You can lament. You can tell me. 
because I'm going to open your eyes so that you can see what I want you to see so that you can start moving on into the place of absolute real praise. Let me hurry up a bit, bro. This is your altar call. you're ready, drop it at his feet. I'll be there, I'll be there. Yes, you are. 
just lift up your voice to the Lord. Whatever it is. If it's your lament, just say it. It's all right to say it to God. You can say, open my eyes, oh God. I want to see, Lord. I need to see, oh God. Open up my eyes. Open up my mouth to praise you, Lord. Open up my heart to feel you, Lord. Open up my eyes, oh God. I need to see you right now, my King. I'm going to drop it at your feet. Hallelujah, Jesus. Could you stand, please? Isn't God so good? If you can stand, if you don't need to, if you don't... Would you put your hand on the shoulder of someone beside you? And I don't know who, but I know this. I want to release us from fear to talk about our stuff that sucks to the right people. I could have titled this, I had three points. Talk up. Talk up to God. He's the only one that's able to carry your burden, really. I encourage you that you can lament to me all you want. I want to tell you what God told me. He gave me a mandate that when people come to you, listen, no, but send them to me. Tell them to go to the room, put on the worship. And just this is all you have to say. Put on some worship and say, Jesus, I'm here. And you know what he promised me? That if you do that, he says, no, I'll, I'll meet them there. I'll meet them there. And you might just need to meet with me for me to tell you to go there. It doesn't matter if you haven't been there for 10 years or more. Drop it at his feet. He's there. He's waiting. Look up. Talk up. Talk in. Talk inward. Bless the Lord on my soul. Come on. Come on, Noli. You start looking to God. Come on. He's going to open your eyes. Talk to yourself. Tell yourself where to go, what to do. Come on, you've been in that place for too long. Come on, Noel, get up, look yourself in the mirror. I said this for, for, for months, one year, in the last four years. I'd look in the mirror and go, come on, Noli. Come on, Noel. And talk out. Talk up, talk in, talk out. That when God heals you, 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 you will tell others and that will be medicine. So will you pray a blessing over the person right now? Just tell them, look, we, we all have pain. Just free them up. Just, we all have pain. We all have secrets. We all have families that, that are like the crazy monster family. We all have them, believe me. We all have that crazy brother or sister, that brother that sins more than anyone else. That pray. We all have them. Just tell them it's all right. It's all right. I know your mother was a bit of a nutcase. It's all right. I'm just saying this. I'm saying it messing in some way, but I'm just trying to... Just, it's all right. It's all right to look at mommy and say she wasn't the best. You're not sinning against her. You're just acknowledging what was real and there was pain. She was human as well. Daddy was wrong. It's all right to say you're not betraying them. You're not betraying their memories by acknowledging what was wrong. You're acknowledging they were human. 
But by not acknowledging it, so I give you permission, just tell them, come on, you have permission to be free, you have permission to talk to God, you have permission to talk to someone you trust. Get it out, pour it out. Go on your own with Jesus, pour it out. Just bless them, bless them with God's presence. Bless them with success this week. Bless them with the grace that comes from hearing the word of God. This is not to put a burden on you that you can't carry. His burden is easy, his, his, his yoke is easy, remember? That if he's spoken to you, he's given the grace to go through it. He will never bring you to it unless he can bring you right through it. But bless them. Come on, your voice should be louder than that. This is people's lives on the other hand of you. The other side of your prayer, there's somebody. Someone who's precious. We love you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. This is the day the Lord has made. I'm rejoicing in the Lord. Lord, I'm acknowledging. I'm pouring my heart out, Lord. That this life sucks at times, Lord. But I'm just looking to you, Lord, to my eyes to be bright so that I can move forward in what you've called me to do. There's some people here that God is saying, drop it and walk away. Come on. Drop and walk away. If he's saying it to you, if that quickens to you, if you hear that, just drop it and walk away. There's some that he wants to say, come on and sit and we talk. Come on and part it out. There's some that he's going to open your eyes. He's going to open your eyes. And there's others that praise is going to come from your mouth because you're through the process. God is good. If you could just see where I see. This is my favorite thing is hearing the people of God pray. Second is hearing them sing to God. First is hearing you sing to God. And second is hearing you pray. That's my favorite sound in the world. So I say over your life, I waited before God for you this week. And God told me a couple of weeks ago, get ready to receive, lift up your hands. I was praying in tongues, because I love praying in tongues. The boy Paul says that when we're praying in tongues, we utter the mysteries of God. Why would just rather utter the mysteries of God than anything else? I'm speaking God's mysteries. That, not that he's hiding, that he wants to reveal. And I was praying in tongues. And, and the Lord, I went to a tongue that needed to be interpreted. I asked my daughter, Becky, have you got the interpretation? She says, no. I asked my son-in-law, Greg, have you got the interpretation? She said, no. And the Bible says, if no one has it, the person who gives the tongue should ask God. I said, Lord, what's the interpretation? I've seen it as stone, a sandstone. And on the sandstone, there was writing that was like Hebrew or Aramaic or something. Just a language from that. And I was like, Lord, what's the interpretation of those words? And... A wind blew across them. And then it went into English, and this is what it says. That the glory of God is coming. The glory of God is at 6.30 in Luke in my daughter's house in the morning. And I'm standing there seeing this revelation, just crying out, the glory of God is coming. And I don't know when it is or where it is or what it's even going to look like, but I know it's coming. And I say, Lord, let this be today. Lord, let this be the people that carry you, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. Those who know that they're broken and know who they've gone to as Savior, Lord, who can heal the brokenness, Lord, and that can carry the glory of God to other broken people. The one thing we have in common with everyone that we meet is their brokenness. Don't be afraid. Let the glory of God touch you. In the name of Jesus, the Lord blesses you and keeps you and causes His face to shine upon you. He lifts up his countenance upon you and he gives you shalom. We say amen. Guys, will you stay with us for a cup of tea? Have a great week. I know that was long, but God is in it. And, uh